welcome back to another episode of Hey Alexa. Today I have Charlene Mannon, who is a women's empowerment coach. She is a speaker, author, and she's the creator of Ignite Your Life BC Women's Workshop. Today we're going to talk all about her story, how she came to do everything she's doing today. Hey Charlene, how are you? I am fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to have you. I was reading your story and I just am excited to talk to you about everything you've been through. Um, if you want, we can just start from the beginning, like kind of how you came to be what you're doing today. Yeah, um, my journey to get where I am at today came basically from living a life full of trauma. Um, my, my life started at about three and a half. It was... Uh, a dysfunctional family that I grew up in. My dad was a severe alcoholic. And when I was three and a half, my parents divorced and um, my mother took my half brothers and left and left my sister and I with my dad, basically because she had no choice. He wasn't going to let her take us. And um, he was physically abusive to my brothers. So she took the kids that she could save, basically, because if she stayed, he probably would have killed one of my brothers. Um, being such a bad alcoholic though, he was in no position to raise two little girls. I again was three and a half. My sister was seven. So he contacted very shortly after my mom left my grandparents and these were my mom's parents and asked if they would take us in. And, uh, my grandmother did not, did not skip a beat. She said, absolutely. We will take the girls. And, um, my grandmother was an absolutely amazing woman, super strong, um, taught me to be independent, uh, work hard, look after myself. And I probably learned that lesson maybe a little too well in my life. But, um, and as wonderful as my grandmother was though, my grandfather was a pedophile. So at the age of three and a half, I started experiencing along with my sister, sexual abuse at my grandfather's hands. And this went on almost weekly for nine years. And, um, you know, I think back to, cause people ask me, well, why didn't you say anything? And, and I think, well, you were coming three and a half to start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think coming from a, a, a life where I felt like my mom didn't want me and my dad didn't want me. The only stability I had in life was my grandmother. So I think I was so terrified that if I said something, I would be taken away from my grandma and placed who knows where with who knows who. So it created um, a need in me for to protect that little piece of safety that I had. And um, unfortunately, when my sister was 16, she was faced with, uh, she wanted to leave the household to escape the abuse. But she also wanted to stay to protect me. And she was receiving uh, the worst of the abuse. And at 16, she was terrified she was going to become impregnated by my grandfather. Oh. And um, so she went to school one day and basically had a nervous breakdown. And that changed everything in our lives. Yeah. It all came out. All, everything came out. Um, my grandfather was arrested. Uh, we lived in a small town. So everybody, it felt like everybody in town knew what had happened. Yeah. And it created this sense of chaos in my life. And um, we're talking the early 80s. So counseling and okay. therapy was not a big thing back then. 
So I remember just getting a, a um, pat on the back from a social worker being told that, don't worry, Charlene, everything's going to be okay. And I remember thinking at the age of 12, 12 and a half, I didn't know what okay felt like. I had never really felt okay right. in my life. So I didn't know what that was supposed to look like. So I just went in, not, went in with my life and my grandma kind of was the type, she's very old school. So, you know, you just put your head down, you plow your way through it, yeah. you just get on, things happen. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, the program that I followed. But of course, going into high school, being a teenager, not being able to escape what had happened, it made it really difficult to just get through what I was experiencing. So I started um, suffering from mental illness really quickly in high school. I started being depressed, suicidal. I started cutting as a coping mechanism, uh, mm -hmm. drinking heavily, smoking marijuana, anything I could do to numb the emotional pain is what I was doing and then I discovered writing which was another outlet for all of that emotional feelings yeah. that I had built up inside I was able to pour I always said I poured ink out onto paper rather than blood because at times it was one option or the other and um, of course this caught the attention because the writing was very dark and depressing and yeah talked about abuse suicide so I got pulled into my school counselor's office and met with a school psychologist who after four hours diagnosed me as being bipolar manic depressive. And to me, all this meant was that on top of the stigma of being, you know, abused by my grandfather, I was crazy on top of it. Yeah. And I, you know, again, I remember, and this was a pattern that I was noticing was that the school psychologist said, but don't worry, you're going to be okay. And I thought, okay, so here's another adult telling me I'm going to be okay. And how like, do what they does know that even mean? Okay? Right. Because I don't think I'm be okay. Exactly. Like I've got no anchor point to what okay is supposed to be like. So again, I just do what my grandma taught me. I put my head down. I got through high school because all I thought was if I could just graduate high school, move away or no one yeah. knew me, everything would be great. And um, so that's what I did. And I moved away with my high school sweetheart. And we decided quickly we would, you know, we were going to have a family. So I was yeah. 20 when I got pregnant, had a, my first daughter at 21, my second daughter at 25, and my son at 27. And I think I felt that every child um, was going to fix the hole inside of me that I felt. Yeah. It was going to be someone that I could love and that was going to actually love me back because I had never really felt what love was supposed to feel like. And um, the only problem was I was still so dysfunctional because I had just carried my trauma with me. And I think, right. we, think we think when we re relocate that we're going to leave it all behind, but yeah. we carry that baggage with us until, until we learn to set it down. So I kept struggling, drinking lots. Um, my marriage was not the greatest. Um, and at 28, I hit a wall where I knew um, if I didn't change something, I was probably going to end my life. I was really depressed again. I was making plans on how I could end my life without mm -hmm. it being my children that were going to was going to find me. And I remember sitting down with my husband and saying, um, I need to take a break. I need to leave the household because I'm not fit to take care of myself, let alone three little kids. Right. And um, again, my marriage was basically over. So he was quite fine with me moving out. 
And um, so I did. I moved out and thought in my mind, I thought I was going to get my act together. But all leaving did was just put me on a spiral of dysfunction. All of a sudden, the guilt and shame kicked in of, wait a minute, I've just done the exact same thing to my kids as my parents did to me. I've just abandoned my kids. Mm-hmm. I've you know, walked away from my kids like my mom did. I've let alcohol control my life like my dad did. And it just, it was the grief and the shame was almost unbearable. And um, of course, about a month after I had left my husband, um, someone walked into my life and I thought, here's someone that's going to love me. And I jumped into another relationship. And when they say like attracts like, they're usually correct because he was as dysfunctional as I was. He was also an alcoholic. Uh, I wasn't aware at the time he was into heavy drugs, which I didn't realize. And unfortunately, um, he had experienced trauma in his childhood, which created a violent streak in him when he drank. So very quickly on in the relationship, I started experiencing domestic violence. And I think in my mind, I felt like it was what I deserved. I had so much guilt over leaving my kids that I thought this is the universe's way of paying me back for being a bad mom, for doing the things that I've done. This is what I deserve. And it was almost, I would say, comfortable because I was so accustomed to abuse in my life that it seemed normal. Right. So this went on for, it actually went on for 13 and a half years, but after two years of the abuse, um, I had reached a breaking point and Uh, had an overdose attempt on pills, ended up in the hospital. And it was when I got out of the hospital that my mom contacted me who I had been in contact with. And my mom said, I think you need to like pack the kids up and move across the country. We'll help you make a fresh start. Again, fits my pattern of, okay, yeah, great. I'll just move across the country and everything will be great. But again, wherever I, wherever I went, there I was. So I moved and um, to make a fresh start. And six months after I moved, uh, my partner that I had been with decided he loved me and wanted to be with me and moved across the country as well. And that continued the almost an, well, another decade of abuse. Wow. And um, this went on until 2015. And he came home one day and said, Hey, I'm moving out. And I was like, devastated because I thought wait a minute I've been your verbal and physical punching punching bag bag. for 10 you know 13 years and now you're leaving me for another woman which is what I found out and so he moved out and I thought okay it's time to get our life together this is our opportunity and I was on that path and about two and a half months after he moved out um, I was at work and a police officer came in and of course he knew where to find me because he had been involved in one of our domestic disputes prior. And he took me, took me outside and informed me that my ex-partner had committed suicide. He had driven up into the mountains and shot and killed himself. And he had called the the police to let them know where they could find him. And uh, he ended his life and I was devastated. Um, He had actually reached out to me a couple days prior and wanted to talk. And I had said no, because I knew I didn't want to get sucked back into that dysfunction. And I had finally, I felt so proud of myself. I had finally set a boundary of no, I need to do what's best 
for me. And then I found out that happened. Um, so I had some guilt of, you know, what if I would have, you know, talked to him, would he still be here? You know, and of course I'm grieving. I have to tell my children who he had raised for 13 and a half years that, you know, he had taken his life and everything just kind of started to spiral downwards. Um, I had this per persona, of course, that I was okay. I kept this fantastic mask on that I was strong and I was okay. But meanwhile, yeah. I was crumbling inside and um, I kept it up for about almost a year. And um, I had actually started to go see a, a psychiatrist because I knew I was teetering on the edge of falling into that abyss of not going to make my way out of this depression. Yeah. And I desperately wanted help. So I went to the psychiatrist and I was about three appointments in. And I remember, you know, my personality type is give me a list of things to do and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted I just wanted her to tell me what I needed to do to get well. And um, all she wanted to do was talk about the past. And I was like, look, I know why I'm screwed up. I, I yeah. know the past. I need to know what the future is. And I remember getting frustrated and saying, look, can you just tell me what you did to deal with your mental health issues? And I watched her eyes kind of glaze over and she went, well, Charlene, I've never personally dealt with mental health struggles. And I thought to myself, it was that moment of, well, what do you mean? How, how can you sit there again and tell me that everything's going to be okay when you don't you know dealt with it. Yeah. You don't know what it feels like to sit in the dark unless you've sat in the dark. And I thought I can't even get help when I want to get help. That's how I left that appointment. Mm -hmm. And when I left that appointment, I had made a decision that that was it. I was done. I was tired of fighting. I was tired of hurting emotionally and physically, I had developed fibromyalgia, of course, because of the trauma I had held for yeah. so long. And um, I was just tired of being in pain. Um, I had just purchased the house and was just getting it all set up for my son. And I thought 30 days, I'll have everything set up. I can end my life. My son will be okay. He'll be set up. And so I did it. I set that date. And about two weeks before the date, um, a coworker and a friend of mine came up to me at work and said, Hey, there's this women's workshop in two weeks. Would you like to go? And I was like, mm, no, I was the last thing I wanted to do is go sit in a room full of women and pretend that I was happy. And she said, please, I really want to go, but I don't want to go alone. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. That's my, you know, kryptonite. I'm always worried about everybody else more than myself. Yeah. So I agreed to go. I thought, okay, this is perfect. We can go. We'll put on this fake happy face and everybody will think we're okay. And no one will suspect anything is what I was thinking. So I showed up two weeks later at that workshop Saturday morning with my hunting rifle and my bullets in the so backseat of my vehicle. Day. It was the Saturday and I had chosen the Monday to end my life. Okay. So I had two, I had two days to get through. And, um, I walked into that room at the workshop and of course I felt sick to my stomach because I'm, I'm looking at a room full of women that through my eyes look like they have it all together. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're all excited to be there. They're all happy. They're all talking about vision boards and goal setting. And I'm thinking, I just need to get through two days so I can kill myself. So I felt like an imposter, which kind of felt like how I had felt my entire life. 
And um, so I took my seat and I got through the first half of Saturday and, you know, nothing is getting to me. Like I'm listening to people talk about finances and physical wealth and or um, health and well-being and nothing's nothing's relating to me. And then the afternoon session comes on and it's a woman who is bald and she is talking about living with alopecia. And how she had struggled as a child, at a, as a young girl and as a young woman with feelings of self-love and self-worth. Because, of course, you know, her hair was tied to beauty, which, you know, was right. tied to her worth. And she struggled with drug addiction and mental health. And it wasn't until she finally embraced the concept that she could love herself and that that was going to be enough. She didn't need society to validate her worth or anyone else, that if she just loved herself, it was enough. And Mm -hmm. as I'm sitting in that chair, listening to her story, I hear a little voice that says like, what about you? And I'm thinking, yeah, what about me? Like how different could my life have been if I stopped needing other people to, to love me, you know, trying to make up for my mom and my dad and my grandpa and the abusive partner. What if I loved myself and that was enough? And of course, I quickly brushed it off because I had made up my mind. So then the next speaker gets on and it's a woman who started talking about living with two decades of mental health struggles and how she had been suicidal and how, you know, she had struggled for so long in her life until she made a decision to accept her depression and her mental illness as part of herself. Instead of fighting against it, she embraced it. Instead of pushing the dark away, she pulled it in because pulling it in allowed the light to get in right and everything everything had changed in her life after that decision and again I hear that little voice that says well what about you and I'm thinking yeah like what if I could have learned to live with this you know what if I could have embraced it and accepted it instead of trying to fight it and understanding that it's okay to not be okay all the time right and um, again I just pushed that off and the last speaker of the day gets up and it's a, a, a gentleman who's talking about uh, his failed marriage, living with alcoholism, addiction to painkillers uh, and struggles with mental health and how he had spent a whole year trying to find a perfect mix of pain medication, sleeping pills and alcohol so that he could commit suicide, but make it look like an accident. And it was on an evening, rare occasion when his wife asked him to take the kids overnight, which like never happened for him. And it was on that night that he found that perfect mix. So as his kids were sleeping in the room next to him and he's laying on his couch, he knows that he's overdosing and that this is it. His life is ending. And he realizes he he hears this voice inside that's like, no, like not now this, you know, we've, there's more. Mm And he gets yeah. to gets to his phone. He's able to call nine one one, and he's able to get help. Uh, he gets to the hospital. He gets starts getting uh, treatment for his mental illness. He gets clean and sober, and now he chooses to go out and share his story and his struggles as a way of letting people know that there's hope. Now I'm sitting there in that seat after he's done talking, and I'm having this moment of kind of going, "What is going on right now?" It's literally, it literally uh, hit like, you. Yeah. Like I'm like, every I'm, single. At, I'm, I'm number one, I'm at an event that I didn't want to come to. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And now I've just heard three speakers who have touched on the three areas of my life that I have struggled the hardest with. It's like, what are the chances that I'm sitting in this seat by accident? And it was like a momentary thing where I just went, wait a minute, this isn't by accident. Like I'm supposed to be here right now hearing these messages. And, you know, I reflect on it now and I, I'm like, I think it was as if the universe was like, because I had finally gotten quiet enough because all that internal argument and chatter inside was gone because I had made my choice. So right. there was no more fighting inside that I was finally quiet enough to hear the messages that, you know what, it's okay. You're going to be okay. There's more. And it was like a light switch moment. I sat in that chair and I went, wait a minute. I, I don't want to die. I want to live. And I could, you know, everything I have gone through, maybe I've gone through that for a reason. Maybe that reason is to share with other people like those people had done to share my stories and my struggles and to say, you're not alone because when you're in it, you feel so alone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember I was like walking out of that event with the knowledge that I was going to live, not just live, I was going to thrive. And I had contacted the, um, the event coordinator. I'd actually sat down with her because I wanted her to know the impact that that event had had on my life, because that event saved my life. And I, I had said to her, I said, you know, I would love to come back next year and speak at your event because I want people to understand the, the power of story and the power of events like this can have. And she of course was like, absolutely. I want you to come back and speak. So I went back the next year. Now in the process of between that event and going back to speak, everything changed in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I started myself when I walked out, I started myself on a journey to get my life to get well. Finally. Um, I got rid of all the guns in my house. I got rid of all the medication in my house. I was like, okay, we need to get rid of this stuff right now. Let's eliminate that. And I started, you know, sharing the struggles I've been having with the people closest to me, which was really hard because, you know, I was, I wanted to be strong and independent. Like my grandmother had taught me, but I knew I needed help. Yeah. Um, I started doing, I started doing things that scared me because I realized how much I had let fear control my life. And it was like, you know, I always say that when I walked out of that event, it was almost as if I heard the universe give a collective sigh and go, Oh, finally, we've been waiting for you (laughs) because everything starts, everything started falling into place in my life. And uh, I went back the next year, I spoke at her event And I remember before I got off the stage, I said, you know, my purpose in sharing my story is just for you to know that you're not alone if you're struggling. And it's to give hope to someone who needs a message of hope right now. And if I can save one life, then everything I have experienced in my life has been worth it. And I got off the stage and I was trying to beeline out of the room because I was so nervous after speaking that I had a woman that had been in the audience stopped me and she said, Charlene, you know how you said you wanted to save a life? And I said, yeah. And she goes, I just want you to know today you did. And she turned and walked away. And I was sitting there in this state of like shock and awe thinking, what did she just say? You know? Yeah. And then I heard, and then I heard that little voice in the back of my head that I've come to know and love so well. And it said, okay, Charlene, now let's go find one more. 
So for me, every day that I get the opportunity to share my story and to spread the message that, you know what, I get it. I've been where you are. Um, there is a way out and there is hope to me. That's, that's reaching out and sharing and, and touching those lives. So that's why I take these opportunities and why I'm here with you today. I love that. Um, thank you for sharing. I think you have such an incredible story. Um, how, so did, so your kids, like no one knew until you told them. Yeah. So you just had that, like, you had that like, like image, like everything's okay. Like you were always told like, everything's okay. So you never knew, like, it's okay to not be okay. Like you didn't know until you knew. Right. Right. Like, I mean, I had this persona. Um, I mean, I'm covered in tattoos, right? So I <laughs> had this persona of being this rough, tough, you know, con yeah. super confident, don't mess with me, nothing gets to me kind of person. But inside I was completely crumbling apart, right? But it's like, I didn't want to, to me, if I showed that side and I was vulnerable, it meant I opened myself up to be hurt, which I was just trying to be, I was in such a protective mode at that point, so... Yeah. And how is your relationship with your kids and your family today? Um, my relationships with my kids is it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. I, I would say that. I mean, um, it's, you know, it's funny because I talked to my oldest daughter and I find as she gets older, she's coming on to 29 now. So um, we have the best conversations that we've ever had now. I think because there's more understanding. Um, she's yet to listen to a podcast. So she doesn't eat, like, she doesn't really even know all the of the full it. story. The full story. So I, you know, I remember talking to her yesterday and I said, you know, have you seen me posting podcasts? And she was like, yeah. And I said, have you listened to any? And she's like, no. And I said, you really need to listen to one of those podcasts. I said, just so you kind of understand what I'm talking about. Right. Because I want her to understand um, a little bit of what I went through, because I think it was that made a difference for me with my mom was when I understand. I mean, my relationship with my mom is absolutely amazing. Now it's the best that it's ever been. And I think that came from my own understanding of giving um, grace, yeah. of giving grace, because um, my oldest daughter suffers from some mental health issues. And I remember as a parent, you know, sitting in a room with a bunch of social workers and having her be upset at me about the choices that I made, which absolutely impacted her life and saying, you know what, I did the best I could at the time with the tools that I had. And then walking out of that, uh, that meeting going, okay, wait a minute, if I'm willing to forgive myself and give myself that grace of saying that I did the best I could maybe everyone involved in my life was doing the best they could, they could. at the time. You know, right. I, I found out, um, you know, early on after the abuse came out that my mother had experienced sexual trauma at the hands of her own father, my grandfather. I, I, I was going to, I was wondering like, would that have yeah, been a, uh, was that too? Yeah. So she had experienced it. So she was dealing with all the trauma that she didn't have the tools to, right. you know, to deal with. And, you know, like even, you know, I go, my grandmother, what she experienced. And I even went so far as to give that grace to my grandfather. Yeah. And that's, that's a hard concept for a lot of people, but I go, you know what? I don't know what he went through 
in his life as a child to create the man that he was. So and it also I'm gonna it give, almost helps you in a way. Like it's not absolutely. so much about forgiving him for him, but it yeah, it, he, it frees he's you. Gone. Yeah, he's gone. And I, and I say that to people like when I gave him grace, he he was already passed away. So I didn't give him the grace for his sake. I gave it for my sake. Right. Because hanging on to it for me is me drinking the poison, expecting them to suffer. Right. Yeah. It's like we we let it go for us, not for them. You don't even have to tell people you've forgiven them. You forgive them for yourself. So exactly. Yeah. So did your grandma know or did she have no idea about like who she was with? Um, I think my I think my grandmother knew. I think um I think she definitely knew when my mother was younger. Oh. And I think she thought when we came to live there that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I know my mom, cause I asked my mom, it's like, why would you let us go live with a predator? And she's like, because he promised me he wasn't going to do it. You know, and as a child, you want to believe your parent, even, you know, the right. trauma that they commit to you, you know, you want to want to believe that. So I think my grandmother believed um, because she was around all the time. You know, there was only one day a week that she went out for two hours. And that was the day. And, uh, and that was the day, you know, he was definitely a predator of convenience. He knew when his opportunities were so. And it's almost like it's an illness almost in a way too, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it isn't and isn't. I, I feel like uh, part of it, they might not even want to do it. It could be a, just it's in them and I don't know. Yeah. Well, like I said, I don't know if, if this was something that happened to him as a child. Right. And, you know, whether or not he, you know, he had sister, like he had a sister. So I don't know, you know, I, I don't know that part of the family background. So, um, but trauma, I definitely believe that uh, something happens to create that kind of a monster. That's for sure. So. And then how did you come to create Ignite Your Life, the workshop? Um, the woman who hosted the workshops that I went to, uh, after I spoke at her workshop, that was the last workshop she did. She was like, you know what? I need to take a break. She had done five years in a row and it's a lot of work. It's quite yeah. stressful. So, uh, she was kind of like, okay, I'm not doing them anymore. And I remember the following January, I was kind of sitting there and I was going, you know, it's really too bad that she's not doing these events anymore because I understand more than anybody, the importance and the impact these events can have. And I said, mm -hmm. you know, it's really too bad that someone else doesn't step up. And I was sitting in my seat and I heard that voice that went, what about you? And I was like, oh, geez. Yeah. What about me? I could host, I could host the event. You know, I've been to a couple, I know what it looks like. I have a great support group around me so uh let's do it let's let's fill that role so that's what I did so 2020 was the uh was the first year so I was able to help I was able to hold it live I squeaked it in before COVID came in and then uh last year we held it virtually so this November we're gonna have it uh, it's gonna be a mix of virtual and live so very cool so you yeah. can do both exactly yeah so well that's amazing. And thank you for sharing your story and your journey. That This is one thing I love about doing my podcast is we all have stories. We have all gone through something and we're all overcoming something. And it's just a space to be able to share it, whoever you are. 
Mm-hmm. And thank you for having this platform because the healing that you're creating is sending ripples out that like you will have no idea how far these ripples reach and how many lives are impacted. So thank you for doing what you do. Well, thank you. And before I let you go, um, I'm going to just play a quick game with you. Sure. And then you can let us know where we can find you. Um, awesome. So the first question is your drink of choice. Anything. Coffee. I'm a coffee fan too. How do you like your coffee? Is it like black cream? Uh, cream and sugar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like it. I like a good espresso with a little touch of, you know, cream and, and sugar in it. So I, I would have said beer if you would have got me last year. I definitely would have said beer, but I've been sober since January 1st. So I'm on that. That's journey. amazing. So, yeah. So good but, for uh, you. So I, I switched to coffee now. So <laughs> coffee's good though. Um, favorite movie, TV show, or both? Uh, my favorite movie is Shawshank Redemption. Okay. I absolutely love that movie. There's a, a line in that movie and uh, it, um, I think Tim Robbins says, uh, you can either get busy living or you can get busy dying. And I, true. it's just <laughs> such amazing statement. So um, young, uh, advice to give your younger self. Hmm. You don't have to be so strong. You don't have to do it all on your own. It's okay to ask for help and it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, I love that. Um, uh, five words to describe yourself. Hmm. Uh, resilient, compassionate, tattooed, <laughs> um, and goat mom. That sounds so strange. I have... I have, I have five goats, so I'm a, I'm a proud goat mom. So. <laughs> and the last one is, what does success mean to you? <sighs> I don't judge success by dollar signs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think success is living a life um, aligned with your purpose, where you're mixing purpose and happiness. Because I think when you live in your purpose, which I feel like I'm finally living, um, that I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. So I think if you're living a life of purpose and service and happiness, that's all the success you need. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. And before I let you go, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Charlene Madden speaker and empowerment coach. Uh, my website is uh, www.charlenemadden-speaker.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Charlene Ann Madden, and uh, TikTok, and all those fun things. LinkedIn, you can find me on all those social media platforms. So, and if I can, I always like to leave with one quick message. Yeah. And that is uh, if you are in a position where you are feeling all alone, lost, in the dark and you feel like you don't have anyone to reach out to, you feel all alone, please find me on social media. Uh, send me a private message, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I am, I want to be there for anybody who's feeling lost and alone because you're never alone. Um, and I will come and sit virtually with you in the dark until you're ready to, to rise up. So just please reach out if you need someone to talk to. That's amazing. Thank you. And all of our information will be in the description below. This was another episode of Hey Alexa. 
talk to you guys next time. Bye.